um, tonight I want to talk to you. I wanted to do the, the, the reality TV series because I thought that was really cool. Pastor Josh is clever, is he not? Reality TV, he's a genius. And so these messages are great. I actually listen to Pastor Josh weekly. In fact, my car, when I plug in my iPhone, um, for some reason, it likes Josh too. And so I don't ever get to hear anything else. For some reason, the USB port just automatically kicks on Pastor Josh. So I have heard the ABBA series about 12,000 times since he aired it, which is absolutely amazing. In fact, my car likes the, um, our inheritance one. I mean, that one, I, I can just you know, quote it to you. It's really good. You should listen to it if you don't know. But I wanted to do one um, called Man vs. Food. Have you ever seen the show Man vs. Food? How intense is that? I mean, you got this chunky guy, which I love chunky guys anyway, and, and he's, he, he goes to restaurants, and they give him the challenge of like, okay, we have a 20-pound burger that costs $89. You pay for it, and if you can eat all 20 pounds, we give you your money back, and you're a champion. You get your picture on the wall, and then you get rushed to the hospital. So it's really, really, really cool. So I wanted to talk about man versus food and give you a, a little bit of a story. One of my favorite Bible stories. We're going back in time. How many CFNIers I got in here? This is great. Amen. Praise God. The rest of you, I'm from Sagu, so booyah, and yes, that's what I'm talking about, brother. Yes, score in the family. Um, And so uh, I wanted to share one of my favorite Bible stories with you. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It's in Luke 9. So if you open your Bibles, if you got your Bibles, go to Luke 9. I'm going to be in the New King James Version. For the rest of you who are in the NIV, we'll pray that you get saved later. Um, I'm totally kidding. This just happens to be my favorite version because my study Bible was in this for years. So I go through the New King James Version quite often. That might be my phone, dude. My phone? Somebody calling me? I don't have my phone on me. My phone's over here, and it's airplane mode. Boom. Um, so let's go through Luke now. We're going to start in verse 12. You might have heard this story before. This is the very first man versus food story next to Adam and Eve. This is the very Jesus versus food story, and I love this story so much. We're going to start in verse 12. If you're there, say yes. If you're not there, say no. All right. Luke 9. Verses 12 through 17, it says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country, and lodge and get provisions. For we're in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. What you've got to realize here, if you study this at any time, 5,000 men in that culture, in, that, in this context at that time, they would actually count men as families. It was the Hebrew tradition. They didn't really count women and children. They didn't count. And so when they say 5,000 men, what they actually mean is this could be 5,000 families. So we're looking at roughly 15, anywhere to maybe even 30,000 people that are here listening to Jesus, okay? And he says uh, there were 5,000 men plus their families. In fact, Matthew actually counts the, the women and children with them. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, I, I love the Bible. Absolutely do. I love studying the Bible. It's great. As a pastor, I'm kind of um, obligated to do that, but uh, I do also love reading the stories of the Bible and kind of putting myself into them. Okay, is it okay if I do that tonight? See, this is what I, I love this story. Um, if you could just imagine with me for a second that you are 2,000 years ago, and Jesus is in this crowd of 30,000 people, and he has uh, his disciples there, and let's just imagine you're one of the disciples. Uh, basically, you're on the committee to choose the Messiah, 
Okay, you got this guy here, he's fulfilling all this prophecy that you've read about for so many years, you grew up in it, it's great. He even walks on water, score, that's great. Uh, he's this really cool guy. Uh, but the, the thing about Jesus is he liked to talk. He liked to talk. And so, uh, if, as you read in verse 12, it says, when the day began to wear away. We're not just talking, he was talking for a couple hours. No, in the Greek, that actually means, when the day began to wear away. So what we're talking about is Jesus, you know, he's the messianic candidate. You, you're pretty sure this is the guy. He starts preaching. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. Crowds are gathering. And he decides, instead of preaching one sermon, he actually wants to preach a 12-sermon series all in one day. You miss the first Cowboys game. You miss the Redskins game. We're going on to about 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock. He's still preaching, and you can't stand it. So you're with the other disciples, and I just like to imagine the disciples, because if you study them, you realize how insanely gross they were at times. I can just imagine them off in the corner. Jesus is over here preaching in the crowd. He's having a good time. They're sitting there talking. They're like, dude, we've got to figure this out. I like the guy. He talks too much. I'm starving. And if we don't get out of here quick, I'm going to just flat out die. And probably one of the other disciples is like, I know, man, what is up with it? I mean, it's good stuff, but, you know, how much can he say in one day? I'm starving too. Let's get something to eat. Let's get out of here. Go to Burger King or something. I know. Okay. I got an idea though. I got an idea. How about if, if, if we tell uh, Jesus that the people are hungry? I mean, think about it. it. You know, he doesn't really care for us too much, but he likes the people. So they talk it out and they're, they're figuring out, you know, which, which person should go talk to Jesus and interrupt him. And so it, it, he's like, okay. And so you get voted. Okay, and you're you're there, and, and and as you read the scripture, you and through inference, you have to understand Jesus is probably still speaking, and so you're you're going. Excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, this is great. Uh, I have not heard a better message in my entire life. I mean, this is fabulous. But uh, we were just talking, the disciples and I, and, and we were kind of um, thinking. Look, there's a lot of people here, the day's wearing away, and uh, maybe we should just kind of cancel this, pick it up tomorrow or sometime, let them go get something to eat. No. Okay, hold on one second. And so you go back, and you're like, okay, Jesus is saying no. What do we do? Get at him again. Try it again. Okay, okay. Jesus, um, look, there, there's, there's really no food here. We've got 30,000 people out here. This is great. Joel Osteen couldn't do this, okay? So we've got to figure this out. What, you know, maybe we could stop early, pick it back up. And Jesus looks at him and says, so you care about the people? Well, yeah, of course, Jesus, yeah, of course. Okay, well, then you give them something to eat. I'll be right back. Hold on. Guys, look, um, Jesus is out of his mind. He just said, we have to give them something to eat. So scatter, find something, anything. Okay, just anything. Bring me back nothing if you have to, but just bring back something. So the disciples scatter, and they're going through the crowds, and they're, you know, they see this little kid who he brought his lunch. His mom packed his lunch for the entire family. He's walking around, and he's got it in his arm, and he's so excited, and here comes Peter. He kicks the kid and steals his lunch. So Peter comes back. He comes back to the disciples, and he's like, look what I found. Okay, five loaves, two fish. Watch this. So Peter walks over to Jesus. Cause G Peter was the mischievous one. And so he walks up. Lord, look, th again, this is great. I I'm, I'm sure that you are just enjoying this. We're enjoying this. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Um, but we can't really feed the people. We've got five loaves and two fish. In fact, we've actually only got four loaves and then some gluten-free wheat bread because there's that kid. So um, really sorry, but we don't have anything. And so Jesus is looking at it. He goes, five loaves, two fish. Perfect. All right. Sit everybody down in groups of 50. 
Now, look, let me help you all out with something. You CFNIers who are real cute right now, you're loving Jesus, that's great. When you get in the real church world, and you've got tons of people, and you try to sit them down in groups of 50, dear God, you need Holy Spirit sovereignty all over your life. 50 people, 50, not 51, not 52, 50. I mean, it is absolutely insane. And imagine you've got 30,000 people to sit in groups of 50. Anybody a math whiz? How many groups is that? 6,000, I think, maybe? It's a lot. Am I right? Boom. 6,000 groups of people in 50. And, and it's crazy because Jesus gives this specific instruction. And so uh, I can just imagine Jesus, but, uh, you know, looking around and, and waiting, you know, waiting. He's still preaching. He's just going. Peter's like, I cannot believe Jesus is doing this. We've got to talk about this later because I am not having this. So they get everybody in groups of 50. And the Bible says that the disciples came back with the food, the, four lo- the five loaves and the two fish. And, and here's what a lot of people think. When you read this scripture, you got that scripture, can you put it back up there? When you read this scripture, uh, what you actually may think for a second is that it says that Jesus took the food and he passed it out to everyone. But is that what it says? Look at it for a second. Did Jesus pass it out to everyone? No, thank you, thank you, no. I like that. He didn't. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus took the food in his hand, and I just, I like to picture him doing this, um, and he, he, he took it and he, he blessed it. He lifted it up to the Father. He said, Father, bless it. Then it says he broke it, and then he put it back in the disciples' hands, and he said, now go feed the people. Now, I, I you know, I'm all for that. But if I was one of the disciples and I had two pieces of bread instead of one now, and I've got 30,000 people to feed, I'm getting upset. But I can just imagine Peter grabbing the bread the first time. He's like, all right, we're going to do this. All right, you, kid, here, take a little piece. Little piece. Next, okay, little piece. I, I said a little piece. All right, next, little piece. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All the way till he gets to the last person. And I can just imagine when he gets to the last person, he's probably got this small little crumb in his hand. And he's going, well, now Jesus will send them home. All right, kid, take this. Takes it. And when he opens his hand back up, he's got fresh bread, broken, blessed, and he's on to the next group. Now, I came to talk to you for a second because, man, I, I love you guys so much. I don't even know you, but I just fell in love when I walked in the doors. I remember this, this thing right here. This is, in fact, um, I was talking to some of y'all beforehand, you know, and you're like, man, we just believe God's bringing people in. Praise God for that. I remember um, when we first started, we had 30 people in a living room in, in uh, December 2011. We moved in and launched in a building, uh, Assemblies of God building, just, I mean, all assemblies, assemblies of God buildings, for some reason, are cloned exactly the same. I'm not sure why, but ours is pretty much the same. Uh, same old setup, old people, and everything. And um, so we ended up getting to, to the uh, church, and uh, we had 30. And, man, I was so excited. The first night we launched with 75. We doubled our numbers. I got up to preach. I preached my heart out about how we're going to revive the world. Man, it was Holy Spirit filled. People were getting saved. It was so great. I came back the next week, and we had 28 people, and I'm like, dear God, what did I just do? Scared them all away. By March, we were down to roughly 20 average. We kept going down. Easter, we did really good. Got about 150. We're excited. We're like, 
numbers are back up. Went back to the next week, down to 40, 30. I was pretty much going to shut the church down by the end of the year. It was guaranteed. And so we got to December of this last year, and God put on my heart to, to preach a message called the X series. We talked about multiplication, and we talked about how to get people in the doors. So I began preaching this message, and we did a sermon series on it, and we laid hands on people, and we just, you know, annoyed them. We said, you're going to go out with Holy Ghost power and all that. Guess what? Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. I was like, God, you're letting me down here. And it came to a point, especially as a pastor, because, you know, Pastor Josh, you have one of the best pastors in the world. And I hope you understand this. I don't say that because he gave me the mic. Number one, for him to give me the mic was foolish on his part. But, um, no, he is just one of the absolute best pastors. And I'll tell you why. When I first met this guy, all he talked about is, we're going to Grand Prairie. We're going to win people for Jesus. We're going to blow this church up. I mean, he loves people so much. It's amazing how much he loves people. And if you don't know him, you need to get to know him because he loves people. But as a pastor, it hurts when you go from a big crowd to a small crowd to a big crowd to a small crowd, and then when you shrink it even more each week. And I remember those, those small days, and, and I, I remember where we were like, I remember telling my crowd, look, if we don't get more people in here, we're shutting down. We're paying rent. We're, we're, we're renting bounce houses. We're doing all this stuff every week. We're spending tons of money, tons of effort, and nothing's happening. And I'm tired of it. You either get people in here, we are shutting down. Well, I laid down the law, and nothing happened. And as I was reading the scripture one time, the Lord just really moved on me and began to convict me. And he said, hey, pastor, I know you're the big shot now, and I, I know you've got everything under control, but could I talk to you for a moment? Yeah, Lord, sure. Now, me and the Lord got a different kind of relationship. I know you guys are like, holy sovereign God, you are so awesome. No, 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 no. God wants to talk to me. He's like, loser, hello, can you shut up for a second? Stop what you're doing and listen to me. And he gave me this instruction. He said, would you stop trying to grow the church? I said, I'm sorry. Woo-woo, rewind. Not quite what I wanted to hear. No, no, he said, will you stop trying to grow the church? I said, you got to explain. And he gave me this message. This message is something I preached before Easter of this year. And Easter this past year, we had tons of family join our church. And we're constantly growing. In fact, God gave me a vision after I preached this message to go out into the community and pick up kids from apartment complexes. And so we sent our leaders out and we started picking up kids. Our attendance tripled in children. And... We, 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 we were so excited about this. And so we were like, okay, God, you're, you're just moving. So he put it on our heart to buy a bus. So we paid cash for a bus three weeks ago. Praise the Lord. And so we, we were just so excited about that. We're picking up families now. We're doing all these things. But let me tell you the secret of church growth. Can I tell you the secret of church growth? Okay, you ready? Because you guys want to see this church, like, blow up. You ready? Okay. Here's the secret of church growth. Stop trying. Stop trying. I hope Pastor Josh doesn't get mad at me at saying this, but I think he would agree. Stop trying. Because it's funny how we try so hard. See, the disciples saw what they did not have. Didn't they? Jesus, all we have are five loaves and two fish. We can't feed all these people. Jesus said, you, you have nothing. Great. Perfect. Let me work with that. And it wasn't Jesus... Now, CF and Irish, please don't condemn me here. Jesus didn't work the miracle. 
but he got the glory. Let me explain. What it says is Jesus broke the bread, put it back in the hands of the disciples, and they fed the people. Now, it was God's power. It was God's miracle, but Jesus didn't perform it himself. This is the greatest story in mankind, I think, because Jesus had granted them the authority and the power to perform miracles, to see things that were not there as though they were there. And when they took action on their faith, and they did something unconventional and uncompromising and absolutely stupid in the eyes of every other human being, can you imagine 30,000 people and you come up with this little tiny piece of bread? I would hear some cuss words in my church if that happened, okay? Okay. But he puts it in the hands of the disciples, and they go out and they feed the people, and it began to multiply in front of their eyes. So many times, guys, here's what happens. As you grow up, you know, I'm older than I look. Praise God for young looks. But um, as, as you grow up and you begin to, you know, get really involved in church, and maybe you're going to be called to the mission field one day to start a church, I don't know. You're going to find that you're going to do everything on your own and, and your own power and with your money and with your resources, blood, sweat, and tears, and you're going to see absolutely nothing from it. And you're going to complain and you're going to get mad and you're going to cry. And if you're the husband, like me, you're going to go to the bathroom and act like you're pooping and cry on the toilet just so your wife doesn't see you crying. And you're going to be like, God, did I make the biggest mistake of my life by starting a church with no Christians and no money and nothing at all? I didn't have Stephen Where the heck were y'all when I started my church? Dang it. I mean, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, and here's the secret. Stop trying and put it in the hands of Jesus. It's hard. I'm a control freak. Ask my wife. I like things my way. I'm very meticulous. I'm ODC. And, and I'm kidding. I'm OCD. No, I'm not OCD. But I love things a particular way. You know, even in my church, I have to step back and let my leaders be leaders because sometimes I see things and I'm like, I don't like that. But oh, dear Jesus, let, oh, help me, Lord. I got to let them do things. It's hard sometimes to put things in the hands of Jesus. But here's what you have. Can I tell you what you have here tonight? I don't know how many people we have here, but I love it. Because every time I preach at a church that may not be gateway sized or may not be, you know, uh, uh, Brother Cho in South Korea sized, I see people in these seats. When you walk in here, every week, you should begin envisioning people in these seats. Jesus didn't hand the bread off envisioning, well, they're going to run out in the first three people. No, he handed the bread back to the disciples, understanding the power that he held. And he saw, he foresaw every single person getting fed. And the best part is, there were 12 basketfuls left over. He didn't just provide for the people in the crowd. When you get connected with a pastor like Josh Brown and his wife Leslie, and you begin to let Jesus work through you, and let the power of God work through you to grow this church... Not only are the people who come in going to get blessed and their finances are going to be met. Y'all said that creed, that's so beautiful and everything. That not only are they going to get blessed, you're going to get abundantly, overtly blessed because you're connected to the source. See, these disciples were connected to Jesus. They were his followers. They did everything he asked. You guys are busting butt in this place to make it good. There's coming a day where you are going to be so influenced by this church that God's power is just going to break through walls because of the things you have been doing. 
And these people will be happy, and they'll be blessed, and you'll see people come to know Jesus. But you know what? There's 12 basketfuls left over that y'all get getting ready to pick up. And it, it, you can't miss that. It says that they put it in the hands of Jesus. He blessed it, broke it, and put it back in the hands of disciples. Before you do anything, before you take on any kind of task in ministry, you first commit it to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, bless it. Break it if you have to. And put it back in my hands and watch this brother multiply. Because I came to a point where I was down on my knees going, God, I don't know if this is exactly what you call me to do, but I'm feeling like it ain't. And I'm getting really tired of this and I'm ready to quit. And he said, would you start letting me bless what you do before you take a leap of faith? Let me bless it first, then take the leap of faith and see what I do through you. There's something uh, just amazing. Miracles really do begin with obedience. They said, you give them something to eat. So what they do? They went and found some little boy's lunch, Long John Silver's. Okay. Make them sit down in groups of 50. That's an impossible task, my friends. But Jesus required it. He required them to be obedient. So they said, fine, you take the food, we'll get the people in, in the 50 groups, and we'll see what happens. Now, you probably had John, because if you've read John, he's the poet, he, loved, he was the one Jesus loved, of course. He's probably like, yes, sir, whatever you want, yes, Jesus, whatever. He's over here, Peter's over here cussing everybody out because they won't sit down and get their kids under control. And there's Jesus, and he never stops preaching until the obedience was set and he found his open door to perform a miracle. You young guys, let me tell you um, a story about myself before I close, because I want to respect your time. Um, if you don't tithe, tithe. If you say, I can't find a way to tithe, find a way to tithe. Let me tell you why. Malachi 3, the, tithe, uh, the, the Bible says in Malachi 3 that you actually bring the tithe to God. The Bible says that the tithe belongs to God. It's not yours. In fact, Malachi 3 just, please don't get mad at me. Malachi 3, not Stephen. Malachi 3 says that you are a thief if you do not bring the tithe into God's house, okay? That's the Bible. Get mad at him. And um, I remember, I've tithed my entire life as, as far back as I can remember. Because I was raised in a church that was money-oriented. I mean, we knew the blessing of the Lord. It was good. We had that pastor. If you don't agree with that pastor, I understand. Prosperity gospel, I understand. That's what I was raised in, however. And so my thinking was very streamlined to, I'm a Christian because God's going to make me a millionaire. And I was, I was ready for that. Who wouldn't be? And um, it was very exciting. So I always tithed. My pastor taught tithing. That's what we did. My entire life I tithed. In fact, uh, up until the time I was 19, I was tithing. And, and when I was 19, I bought a house, uh, my very first house. It was great, fantastic, fun times. I wasn't married. I just wanted to buy a house. I had the money, so I'd do it. Um, bought a luxury car. Uh, um, I had nice clothes, even better than these. You know, these are Kohl's, but I was shopping in even Marcus, baby. And uh, I looked good and um, had my suits, my pinstripe suits, and my, my custom-made cufflinks. Man, I was rolling deep, and it was good. It was great. And I was tithing. It was good. There came a day, though, that um, 
God kind of got out of the picture of what I was doing. And if you don't believe in the judgment of God, let me tell you, it exists. And um, the judgment comes through foreclosure. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I remember getting the first phone call, hey, you haven't paid your mortgage. Yeah, screw you. And um, not going to pay it. And uh, I, I just remember the, the days when uh, I, I couldn't afford my car payment. I had, um, can I just be honest, by the time I was 22, I had just under $200,000 in debt. And it was not fun. <laughs> yeah, that was me too. And I remember those days. But I had let something get in the, in the way of God, and God said, okay, well, let me take care of that for you. So the Lord gives, and he definitely takes away. And I remember all these things just, you know, happening and, and, and bad things going on. Well, I got my life together. And in the process of this, I'm tithing. Let me tell you, I'm a tither. I believe in it wholeheartedly. Well, God ended up working a miracle, which I won't tell that story because it would take an hour. Uh, so let's fast forward to today. I'm still a tither. I still believe in the covenant blessing of tithe. It's great. But just recently, though, me and my wife were having a very loud conversation, and we were discussing her clothing. Because my wife likes to do this to me. She'll go into her closet. Baby, I need some new pants, and I need some new pants. You don't need anything. You don't need new pants. Baby, I do need new pants. Let me grab your hand, take you to your dang closet. Let's count out how many work pants you have. Three, six, nine, twelve. She's got like almost 20 pairs of work pants. So she, I need new pants. Why can't you wear these? Ladies, don't give your man an excuse for every pair of pants. These are too blue. These are too black. My butt's too big. My butt's too small. My hip's too big. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. I can't fit in this one anymore. She had an excuse for every one. I'm like, girl. So we had a very loud conversation about these pants and what she did and did not need. Let me tell you, though, why. Because I, I left a job to start a church where I was making nearly six figures. I mean, I was, I was blessed. You know, this is my good Christian days. I was very blessed. I was really living it. And God said, okay, time to leave that and come to a full-time pastor position that doesn't look as blessed. And um, so I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so we're on a tight budget. And in the meantime, I'm also trying to pay off $200,000 in debt. Now, this is roughly three or four months ago, and I had paid it all down because God is that good, all the way down to $5,500. It wasn't me. It was Jesus. And so, great, great. I mean, great, great. Well, we're sitting here having this discussion. My mom, or my, uh, my, my mom, dear Lord in heaven. My wife, <laughs> Satan, get out of here in Jesus' name. Um, my wife is, you know, telling me she needs new work pants. And I'm getting upset. Now, we don't shop at, you know, super expensive stores or anything. She just wanted to go to Kohl's, get a couple pairs of pants, use her 20% off coupon like all the ladies do, put it on the credit card, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it and everything. Uh, it comes down to it, though, we are just not having it. And, and I am just laying down the law like a good husband should. Woman, listen to me. Submit. Thank you. And um, no, I'm kidding. No, I was getting very heated, and the Holy Spirit just stopped me mid-sentence. And he said, will you stop acting like your father? <sighs> me and the Holy Spirit are about to have it out right here. I mean, I don't like that. When I was being raised by my parents, my dad was very frugal. We'll put it that way. Now, he's changed. God's moved on his heart, but he was very frugal, um, and I didn't like that. He said, will you stop being like your dad? Get the woman some pants. And, you know, I said, okay, fine. I apologized, as every good husband should. I said, you go get your pants, baby, whatever you want to get. Get some shirts, too, whatever you got to do. Now, we're on a budget, but God's telling me to be generous. Now, I've, I've been a tither my entire life, but... Here's where God showed me something. He said, the problem is you, you've been doing this covenant tithe where you don't understand the tithe is mine anyway. 
I'm teaching you something different. I'm teaching you the over and above. Put it into my hands. Let me bless it, and let's see what happens. So I told my wife, so you go out, get some pants, real nice, you know, smile and everything. I tried to have a good attitude about it. It was three days later. My dad calls me up. Son, I was just, you know, listening to the voice of God, which is weird for my dad anyway. He said, how much school debt do you have left? I said, I got 5500 I'm going to write a check for it and just pay it off. I said, oh. I said, honey, whoop, go get something else. What else you need? You need to go grocery shopping? What you need? Some lingerie? I don't care. Whatever it is. You can get some shoes, socks. I don't care what it is. Go get it in Jesus' name. That was the blessing of God. Why? Because I put it back in God's hands. And I wasn't concerned with, well, my budget won't fit it. Baby, you don't need new pants. He said, and I kid you not, he said, from now on, when your wife says I need something, you get it for her because I said so. I'm just praying she don't tell me she needs a new Ferrari or anything because that ain't going to happen right now. But that's a miracle. I didn't have $5,500 extra. No way. And in fact, my goal for the, since I've been 22 a long time ago was I've got to get out of debt. I believe in a debt-free life. And God made that happen. He made all the steps up until the point where I couldn't do it anymore. And I said, God, I don't have this to do it now. What do I do now? He said, take what you do have and bless your wife instead and let me work the miracle of multiplication. You want your finances to multiply. You want your relationships with people to multiply. You want church growth. You want all that. Great. Right here, where you are right now, commit it to Jesus. Stop trying on your own strength. Put it in his hands. You say, bless it, Lord, and give it back to me, and I'm going to go out and multiply it. We have seen growth in our church so strongly. And I say that as an encouraging thing. Because you guys are the cream of the crop, you see, up in Ayers. You got, I mean, churches pray for you to pick us. We fight over you. We have a day where we come out and we fight for your attention. You guys are the cream of the crop. You're the anointed ones. You know the whole scripture. I was blessed to have heathens who are all going to hell. And I had to teach them about Jesus from scratch and get them to grow the church. An impossible task. But Jesus made it happen because we stopped committing everything to ourselves and how many people we could get in, and we said, Jesus, we're going to do it for your glory, and we're going to trust that you're going to make something happen. Y'all too quiet for me. See, you want to see church really grow? You want to see things in your life happen like never before? Stop going by your own knowledge. What does Psalm, what does it say? Lean not on your own what? Understanding. You don't know how it's going to work out. Praise God you don't know how it's going to work out. Because if you did, you're so stubborn and I'm so stubborn, we'd probably try to avoid it in the first place. That's not what God wants. He wants you to blindly go in and say, what do you have for me? Let me bless it. Let me put it back in your hands and watch you multiply it. Stick with Pastor Josh. Stick with him. Homeboy's got a plan. He's got a vision. He's going to make it happen. He's, I promise you, you're going to see him on the cover of Preacher's Daily or whatever, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, if you can just talk to him and, and hear his heart. But guess what? Here's what I told my church when I first stood up and gave this message. I said, in this analogy, again, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, I said, in this analogy, I'm Jesus. 
I'm up here preaching. I'm preaching my heart out. I love the people we have coming in. But you're the disciples. And, and, and I'm not saying I'm going to bless it, but I am saying this. I expect you, as we travel together in this church realm, that, that we both are working hard. And we're, we're both handing things to Jesus. And we're both multiplying it in everything we do. And all it took was people going, wow, I'm the one who's responsible for seeing people come to know Jesus. It's not my pastor. I know all you guys understand that. I thank God you guys understand that. But let me tell you something. You put, you put your future in Jesus' hands, and you say, God, I'm committing this to you. And while I'm under the authority of my pastor... I'm just asking you bless everything I do back to your glory. I'm asking that everything I do would multiply, that we would see this church fundamentally, exponentially grow, that anything we do would stop being what we want to see. That, that It's good to have goals and everything, don't get me wrong, but it would stop being, you know, well, I'm expecting to see 50 people, and this person is expecting to see 100 people. No, 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 but God, it would be that every week we'd see this place packed out because you are the one who has empowered us to grow and multiply the church. I wholeheartedly believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that because I've seen it happen. I'm living proof. God does not give up on you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never tell you what you can't do. He'll let you do that yourself. And then he'll tell you what he's going to do through you. Mm. I just praise God.